I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. From Barangaroo Studios, the AusBiz COV is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the COB from Ausbiz. I'm Gemma Acton, joined by two guests today, uh, Scotty and Nadine Blaney. Hey, three for the price of, of one today. Gemma. I feel very privileged to be here with you. <laughs> um, well, it has been um, a, a pretty boring day, but gosh, the uh, ASX 200 made some decent gains earlier in the week, didn't it? Um, eight days straight, I think, of, of rises. Yeah, it was. It's been a good month, really, overall. I mean, it'd be interesting to see at the end of today's session where we end up, but there's only been a handful of days that we've ended in negative territory. Yeah, a bit of excitement coming into those banks and uh, no, no thanks to what's going on with the RBA. Uh, the prospect of more cheap money on the other way has certainly gone and helped juice that stock market. So uh, we'll see what happens. But as you said, uh, no, we got uh, that uh, seven-month high uh, above 6,200 on the XGO. Trading a little bit below that at the moment, but I uh, know it certainly has been a very, very strong October, which is traditionally a pretty weak month. Which is surprising given how much uncertainty there is at the moment. And, and every day I try and uh, justify what's going on, it's just back to chatter about the will they or won't they fiscal stimulus package, which doesn't really seem to be enough to keep moving, keep moving markets higher. And, and, and if you layer over that, the deteriorating situation in Europe, particularly with regards to coronavirus, it seems like astonishing enthusiasm for, for this particular point in time. Well, it's, a, it's amazing though. I mean, you know, bad news is good news. Good news is bad news type scenario, because as long as the world is as it is, I guess we'll get more stimulus fiscal and monetary. And, you know, still looking at um, really surprising data, I think, in some ways, because even the retail sales data that we got this week, which was disappointing, is still showing that retail sales are up on this time last year, which is kind of hard to get your head around until you think that all these people have been getting checks for quite some time. Yeah, a few places to go and spend that money. And uh, I think it's coming to go and juice retail sales. But uh, I look, I just look what happened with the retail sector prior to the pandemic, and it was weak. Like, forget everything else out there. Um, so I can't see that coming out of a recessionary period that we're going to go see boom times in that retail space last for a long period of time. But uh, as for the, uh, the, the stimulus uh, question in the United States, I described it as pathetic last <laughs> week. Uh, that's a week on now. The to and throwing is, uh, is just mind-numbingly boring. The truth of the matter is that there is in the price already that there's going to be a package coming after the election. If they manage to go and get something done beforehand, fantastic. But I think everyone knows that there's going to be some sort of deal. If not, uh, we know that it's going to be pretty much uh, no, very risky, particularly with those virus trends we're seeing. Yeah, but um, yeah, I just think that stimulus is coming. Um, it's all politics in the States. It's all brinkmanship. It's all one-upmanship. It's all about what happens after the election. You know, there was a US presidential debate today, of course, depending on who you're rooting for is who you think won the debate. 
Look, uh, Donald Trump certainly can make his points. I listened to a bit. I couldn't listen to much of it because it just, to be honest, it drives me up the wall. I'll read lots about it all, but to sit and listen to them go back and forth just doesn't make for a happy day. Um, but, you know, when it comes to the U.S. presidential election and stimulus, it's all now, you know, protecting territory, protecting the Senate and uh, what comes from there. And everybody wants to get reelected in their own in their own districts, don't they? Yeah, and I think actually on the other side of the election, the, that will be the, the least concerning part. I find what's most concerning is what's happening to civil society itself. And we, we know there's going to be potentially uh, really problematic with one side accepting the result, um, which it doesn't signal, doesn't all go well, rather, for, for a descent into the rest of the year, particularly when you see that in many states, coronavirus cases are picking up. And I just think the, the social fabric question is one that uh, will be, be, I don't want to say interesting because it, it doesn't seem there's going to be a particularly good outcome from it. No, I was just reading as well in Europe. Now what's happening is older people are starting to get COVID and fall sick with COVID. Again, whereas in the summer it was young people going out to bars mm. and restaurants and that was sort of manageable, but there's a worrying trend happening in Europe. But then you compare and contrast it to what's happening here. And there were, there was one new coronavirus case in Victoria today. Mm. I think we should take the wins. Absolutely. Victoria's had quite a few wins over the last week or so, two weeks perhaps. Um, so yeah, no, certainly. Um, hopefully some more reasons to be a bit more optimistic. Yeah, I wonder what will happen with the easing of restrictions in Victoria this weekend. Um, what do you guys think? Do you think that <sighs> Daniel Andrews will take the chance to, to get retail back and to, I guess, you know, he really risks getting even more offside the longer that this continues when the COVID case count is, is at one today. He does, but I, on the other hand, I think that Europe's summer of freedom is becoming it's becoming very clear that that wasn't such a great idea look at countries like greece that sort of threw open their doors now their cases are spiking as well so i think the longer um, the situation in europe continues to deteriorate after they were given those freedoms the more validation there is for dan andrew's strategy and i look i personally would love to see it open i i'm from victoria i have many friends who are, who are suffering greatly at the moment and would, would love to see my family but um i i think his 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 argument is strengthening in so far as um, it is keeping the cases down. Mm. Well, I'll take the other side of that, and uh, there is no excuse for Daniel Andrews not to go and open up. And we should have the border open between New South Wales and Victoria now. Uh, we need to go and get track and trace, and a lot of resources put in that particular space and open up the economy. There is zero excuse now. Uh, we've been living with this in New South Wales for such a long period of time. We get outbreaks, we get the, I know, the warning spots. We go and isolate if you've been there and the society moves on. And that's what we need to do. Um, we spoke with a gold explorer, Miramar Resources, that listed to yesterday, made its market debut yesterday. And uh, the CEO, his name's just escaped me for the moment. I think um, it's, it's on our website as video on demand. And you can access that interview via the show notes as well. But... He's from WA and he was saying, yes, it's getting difficult to get workers. They usually relied on backpackers to be sort of offside on some of these drill, you know, exploration projects. But we asked him, you know, point blank. So do you think that WA should open the borders? And he's like, ah, well, you know, mm. we feel very lucky being here in Western Australia, being able to move around freely. And it sounded, he didn't, he's not willing to put that at risk. But they still have the same restrictions in place. They have social distancing restrictions still in place as we have in New South Wales. And as I reminded him at the end of the interview, uh, I said, just don't uh, know for your record, because he hadn't been, had the chance to go and travel here, of course. I said, life is very much getting back to normal here in Sydney. 
Um, I just don't think a lot of people outside of Sydney and Melbourne have a real understanding of what's going on. Like we're some diseased uh, colony here or something well, like that. Well, I don't know, but I, I said it on air earlier anecdotally. So I did take the bus into work today because I do plan on having a couple of wines while we do the last call. Don't judge me for it. But I wore my mask on the bus because of course they're asking us to please wear our mask on the bus. And if somebody asks me, I mean, I don't wear a mask, admittedly, if I go to do my shopping or, you know, we're in the office together, I'm not wearing a mask. But, um, you know, I wear my mask because it's public transit. They've asked me to. I feel like it's doing my part. And I was the only one on that bus that was wearing my mask. I was mask, about to say, I including the bus driver. I was about to say, I took a bus recently as well and I didn't wear a mask, but genuinely because it slipped my mind. And I, I, didn't, I didn't remember that they wanted us yeah. to. It was the first bus I've taken in a long time. And you're absolutely right. When I think back, I don't remember anyone wearing a mask. No. It was. Uh, it's a little I, I wouldn't that we mind can at all. Do. No. I really wouldn't mind at all if, if I if I did have to wear a mask. I did come in with big marks all across my face. I think I might have taken a kid's mask from the house. But anyway, uh, it's just interesting seeing what's going on in the city. And then you know, we know that the buildings are still pretty empty, but the floor here is coming to life. There's a yeah. lot more people at the business beside us. I, I feel in general around the city, it's feeling more busy. I, I don't know what you, what you both feel, but. Uh, up and around Barangaroo where we are, just mm -hmm. stepping out to get lunch, waiting in a queue, which hasn't happened for yeah. quite a while. And I also think it's the weather and people want to get out. Yeah, I got, annoyed, I got annoyed this morning on my uh, bus ride into work and I didn't wear a mask. The other uh, bus wasn't anywhere near full enough for me to justify but um, I was noticing that the traffic was considerably worse and uh, I actually got a bit pissed off. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you it, know. It, it, was, it was the first time in ages where I was actually like, no, please to be pissed off because no, there was so much traffic. So people were actually going and circulating around the city and it's something we haven't seen for such yeah. a long period of time. So I welcome my, uh, my annoyance. <laughs> Let's have a look at what the stock of the day is, which today is actually Blue Scope. Um, we spoke to two analysts and have a listen to what they had to say because it was certainly a bit more upbeat than the tone of our conversation so far. <laughs> Let's hear first from uh, Jean Baylou from Tribeca. I think Blue Scope is the, in the sweet spot at the moment. So right. things have turned around for them very quickly. Uh, moving just from six months ago, the steel spread is what drives their earnings. Um, so the, they were facing significant earnings downgrade six months ago to now the steel bread spread mm. has been improving significantly and now earnings upgrade. So today's result, they achieved 70% of the full year consensus expectations in six months. So um, wow. you're looking at double digit earnings upgrade and that's not, it's not expensive company, nor should it be very expensive but with the earnings upgrade um, and uh, clearly the um, the tailwind is behind the uh, well is, is now with them uh, over the next 12 months with the US stimulus coming through so it looks cheap and you should be buying this stock okay. there is yeah. certainly some growth and obviously they're looking to the US yes. to really sort of see that engine starting to move forward as mm. well so because um, James Hardy is saying similar things about its U.S. Correct. operation, Housing, so. correct, correct, and even Brickworks with its yeah, yeah, also as well. So um, yeah, no, I, I'm really comfortable with the story. As I said, I'm a little bit cautious up here at that sort of sixteen dollar right. mark. It's probably probably has some work to do, but I think if we put it into the the portfolio, we've got some time mm. to let that yeah, move through, through, and That's then right. uh, going from there. So okay. yeah, currently sixteen dollars even. And that was Adam Dawes from Shore and Partners. So a yes from both of them. And, and the share price has certainly uh, bounced today as well. So uh, not the only ones who clearly see some upside there. So um, Scotty, you mentioned earlier, the Reserve Bank stimulus looming, mm -hmm. uh, more stimulus on top of more and more stimulus. Uh, what, what are you expecting out of uh, next week's announcement or the week after next? Uh, 
It's in the price. Uh, the market's fully expecting now that there's going to be a cut to the cash rate and the, uh, the term funding facility to 10 basis points after three years. Uh, it's also pretty much you know, baked in that the, uh, the RBA is going to start doing quantitative easing at some point in the near term. Uh, given it's already priced in, I suspect that the bank should probably just proceed and do it all at once. Uh, deliver a strong message, deliver the message that it's not uh, designed to go and uh, support an economy that is incredibly like no weak, but it's to go and enhance the recovery. Uh, if the, uh, the bank gets that communication right, uh, I think it'll be a very good move for Australia. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be such a week, isn't it? So I think next week, I'm not actually sure what's on the agenda apart from inflation. So we're looking forward to getting that consumer inflation mm -hmm. read on the 28th. But after that, I mean, think about the week we're going to have. It's going mm -hmm. to be Melbourne Cup Day, RBA Day. And I mean, RB I only think of it as RBA Day, <laughs> but on Melbourne Cup Day. And then it's going to be the, uh, the US election. Sure you do. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and, you know... All of the action really happens when the Australian market is trading. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, yeah. F f fascinating times ahead. Yeah. Um, so, yeah oh, look, it's it's going to be uh, there's a lot of a uh, lot of data out next week. But uh, you mentioned the inflation report. Like, no, the inflation report used to be uh, one of the most important readings out there. Obviously, the RBA is an inflation targeting central bank, but it's really gone down the pecking order, albeit temporarily because we know that there's, uh, there's so many uh, one-offs of the data at the moment that are going to go and skew the results. So uh, over a longer term, uh, keep an eye on the underlying figure. It's probably going to be more important anyway when it comes to uh, you know, gauging what price pressures are. But it's really difficult to see the CPI release having much of an impact at all uh, for quite some period of time until we have a firm recovery underway. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also it feels as though inflation, uh, longer term, more secularly, is... Uh, transitioning in terms of what people have used it for and what people have, have, have uh, how people have treated it in terms of incorporating that into their economic management, mm. um, particularly with regards to central banks, given that they're having to do so much now where uh, you know, fiscal isn't necessarily stepping in to, to do the task. So I, I think, if anything, it's sort of interesting to look at um, how can we use CPI going forward as an instructive measure to, to gauge the economy and to, to determine our next steps from it, because the old, it really feels that the, the central bank mandates where they're currently tied are, are very outdated for the for the world we're heading yeah. into. Well, I suppose we've seen a little bit of that shift happening with the RBA moving to actual versus you know inflation forecasting um, before they'll move on rates, which we know obviously we've talked about it a lot. But um, but yeah, there was a paradigm shift happening anyways, really, when it came to inflation before yeah. this pandemic was happening and whether it's tech and whether it's globalization and all the other factors. Yeah, there's there's bigger questions to be asked. But, you know, lots of people that I speak with on Ausbiz are talking about, you know, this looming inflation genie that's just waiting to get out mm -hmm. of the bottle and will likely be doing so. And that's helping to form some of their investment thesis. And, you know, just was speaking with Robert Swift from Delft partners this morning he was saying they're you know actively moving into more of the value end of the market because mm -hmm. they really truly believe that inflation is being overlooked and that like everybody should be talking about it um and they don't know why everyone's not yeah 100 percent. i was gonna say you'd love that wouldn't you people moving to the value <laughs> oh look I'm not, I'm not a value person like you play the cards that you're you dealt and obviously we're seeing that growth has had such a tremendous run and particularly tech stocks but uh what you have to go really pay attention to is those uh those longer dated uh risk-free rates so you know uh, Australian government, 10-year bonds, US treasuries and the like, because if you start seeing quite a pronounced upshift in that, and it's not no, not so much the absolute level that is a concern, but it's the speed that it moves at. If it moves really quickly, you watch those high, no-flying tech stocks in particular, they will get 
utterly thumped. And I've, I've no qualms about it. I've just seen it so many times before. This, the, the, a, a very sharp steepening in that curve can have such a pronounced effect on asset prices around the world. And Scotty, I can't let you go for this week without talking about uh, buy now, pay later. We know that you find it a fascinating sector to follow and there was quite a bit of activity this week. What did you make of um, Afterpay's link up with Westpac and uh, Zip's partnership with Visa? Uh, it's really interesting. Now, the, I'll stick with the Army Afterpay and the Westpac. I'm more, uh, I'm more up to date and I'm more read into it. I think it's more of a story about Westpac mm. rather than, uh, than Afterpay. Uh, just the... Uh, the problems that we have with the traditional banks trying to go and attract new funding and new growth, uh, new growth avenues and everything else. So uh, rather than trying to go and target the younger audience directly, uh, basically going you know, to team up with a uh, you know, buy now, pay later provider, where obviously there's been some tremendous growth uh, over the past few years, uh, really spells like, you know, uh, almost like a, a warning about, I know, the inability for the, the uh, traditional banks to go and continue to grow anymore. So I'll be really intrigued to see how this works. I also look at the, uh, the other flip side, and if you're white labeling products from a bank and then putting them through a service such as the buy now, pay later, it once again reinforces to me that that sector and those providers need to be regulated like a financial services firm. Absolutely, actually on, on that point, that's what I found the most interesting part, the brand aspect. So if, if Westpac's willing to white label this, I think it's a real statement that the next generation of customers feel more comfortable with an unregulated afterpay than with a heavily, heavily regulated Westpac, which is quite astonishing mm. because it's, it's literally perception because, um, you know, the bank's obviously been through the ringer with the Royal Commission, uh, Afterpay hasn't. But as you say, if you actually stop and look at who is much more heavily disciplined, it's, it's undoubtedly the, the big banks. But I wonder if to that demographic, and admittedly, I'm not part of it anymore, that they just don't value that long-term history, the mm. regulation that sits behind it, of the big banks, or, like or, or, they or perhaps. perhaps should, or like we were grown up to believe that there was, you know, these major institutions, that's where they held your money. Because think about, I mean, one of the other aspects to this Westpac Afterpay tie-up is also, you know, the competition that's increasing in the space for that demographic. You've got all of the, the non-banks, you've got the, the neo-banks, you know, the Zinges of the world, the Athenas of the world. Like there's, it's actually quite a, a crowded space mm. for... I mean, Australia is not the biggest country in no, the world. Don't even, don't even, not even 30 million. I mean, it's going to take a long time to get to that mark now, given yeah. what we're looking at with international borders. So you're exactly right. You know, there's only so much of the pie that can be carved up, and uh, there's going to be a scrap. And let's be honest, uh, a lot of these new entrants and potentially some of these older players uh, in time might either go uh, the way of the dodo or go and get merged into uh, other entities and the like. So yeah. there's going to be a lot of movement because you simply can't have so many various places out there, particularly with margins at the moment. Like no one talks about that, but from an old yeah. treasury uh, standpoint, uh, margins are, are key. If you don't have that, uh, you're not going to make money. You're not going to be around for very long. But you still have the wisers of the world. I mean, they were yeah. out with an update this week, did really, really well. Really well. Share price was soaring on the background. So I think that also speaks to the willingness of a different demographic to just abandon brand names, names that I didn't participate, but I'm sure you guys I've heard have had a dollar might account at some point. I, I actually did. <laughs> Certainly my first bank account as well. Um, well, team, I think we need to wrap this up and get on with the rest of our Friday evenings and weekends and let our listeners as well. Um, I, I personally find this topic absolutely fascinating, looking at the, um, the change of the guard in the, in the financial institutions and how banks make themselves relevant uh, in, in the next paradigm. Thank you for joining me. 
Thank you. Let's go grab a drink. Yeah, <laughs> <the last laughs> right. We're allowed to. It's Friday. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. See you back next week. <laughs>